Welcome. This is Jesus, the pattern son, attempt to give you sonship doctrine that is faithful and fulsome, or in other words, a go at it that's biblical and orderly. Welcome back, everybody. I have an awesome revelation. Well, for me, it's an awesome revelation. <laughs> Sonship assumes fatherhood. And I recorded all of this and felt so anointed and the recording just wasn't good. And so I'm having to do it over again. But I pray that it comes across to you. This is so important. It's really, really gong to me. And obviously other people have discovered this before I have and some of them have done a great job in talking about it and I'll mention some of them but here it is sonship assumes fatherhood sonship assumes fatherhood this makes all the difference in terms of what it means to be a son and, and the method to becoming a son of God hallelujah and so here we go and we're going to do three episodes on this topic. And this will be, well, this is obviously part one, but I'll cover several scriptures today. Sonship assumes the fatherhood of God. And that seems so obvious, but in some ways it has been greatly overlooked. So here's the point. You cannot have a son without a father because it just doesn't work that way. You can't have children without parents. And we find in scripture that sons are born by the will of the father. Therefore, we don't have to struggle be to become sons. Perhaps this mistake was made because we didn't know Greek. You know, we wanted to be huios, mature sons, and we wanted to strain after that. We wanted to lean toward that, set our face toward that. But we did not know that we were born Napios. We did not know that we would naturally grow into Paideon. We did not know that we could have expected to be Tecton. Okay. And we didn't know some of what the Bible was saying to us because we didn't know Greek. So I am not changing anything. You understand? the written word of God we're going to look to as the authority and I'm going to unpack it and no one's preacher could ever hope to unpack all of a single verse but I'll do what I can for the moment and it's not that I'm changing anything when I'm reading Greek far from it okay so We do want to grow up. We do want to become mature. And we agree on that. We want to lean toward becoming mature sons. Huios. Okay. And so maybe there are some things that we can do. And clearly to have become in the family at all required the will of the father. And so let us open up scriptures and see then how that works. So again, sonship assumes fatherhood. And fatherhood is about love. And parenting is about love. And children come out of that love. So it's not about struggle, strife, let alone atrocities. Um, 
It's about living out who we already are in the Father's eyes. That's the way it works. And when Paul says, let's fight the good fight of faith, he meant that we will struggle to put our unbelief down to follow along with faith. We're going to walk in faith. And faith will unpack that. So I'm reminded of a story that came out on television back in the late 60s, early 70s. And the show was set up that a bachelor who had a butler, or a gentleman's gentleman actually, had all of a sudden had to take on three children. I guess his his sibling and their spouse had died, and so all of a sudden he has a 16-year-old teenage girl and two seven-year-old twins that live with him. And so the whole setup of the show is the humorous challenges that occur because of this new family constellation and uh, the star of the show was Brian Dennehy who was the bachelor and the two seven-year-olds were Buffy and Jody and one day Jody asks uh, Uncle Bill where where babies come from and so Uncle Bill takes some time to think about that discuss this with Giles, his gentleman's gentleman, and so he wrestles with how he's going to tell these seven-year-olds where babies come from, and finally, at the end of the show, the end of the episode, Uncle Bill tells the twins, children come out of their parents' love. And Jody and Buffy goes, oh, that makes sense. We didn't really think that stork story made any sense at all. And then they run off to play. (laughs) And so it was a wonderful ending, happy ending. And this, of course, is exactly right. Children come out of their parents' love. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And we are born into the family of God because of the love of God possibly the love of some other people who told us about God and helped us in, but certainly because of the love of God. John 1 and 13, John chapter 1 and verse 13, talking about us, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we clearly see that we are in the family because God wants us here. This is election. Oh, of course, we accept it through faith. So from the beginning, we see a cooperation, but we are saved by grace, by God's grace, through faith, lest any man should boast, and of course, unto good works. So this is the clear teaching of Scripture, and that's, of course, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. So if it starts that way, it would be, likely continue in that same trajectory. (laughs) And so this is always what I have said. It's in the same trajectory. And perhaps I didn't quite understand that clearly. Uh, Let's unpack it some more. 
God's will is specifically that we should be in the family and to help us. Hallelujah. <laughs> now we can all testify to that. And actually, as we go through the depth of the Bible, we'll see that that theme continue and be enlarged upon. But somehow, some of us were confused. There was a bait and switch somehow that we we knew that we were saved by God's grace or our faith, but somehow we were trying to make ourselves into son's wheels of God. And we had various ideas of the method on how to get there. And one that I have heard said, and I think quite much adopted, was that we would become sons based on the rubbings of body life or we would become sons based on our obedience to other people. And of course, I love community life, which is what we mean when we say body life, in case anyone is coming new to this conversation. We're talking about body of Christ, not body, B-A-U-D, no, 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 but B-O-D-Y, the body of Christ. So uh, some of us lived in collective residential settlement. Well, some of us lived in communes, but I didn't. Anyway, so I love community, and there is a sense in which one learns much in those situations. It's both a test and a spur, and for the same reason that Buddhists want you to come and live in a monastery, at least for three years, and uh, people wanted uh, students to come and live on campus. So there is a sense in which that's entirely true. But the question is, how do we become sons of God? So we're going to talk about that today from a variety of scriptures. And then we'll spend some special time on Philippians 3 and Hebrews 9. Okay, so the point here is that sonship assumes fatherhood. You can't have children without a father. And of course, every family has a culture and the perfect. We're talking, about, of course, about God, who is the father, who is love and is truth. The proper family of God is going to show forth the character of God. I don't think that's at, at dispute. So let's talk about this sonship is rooted in fatherhood. Now, other people have preached this and have done, I'm sure, a better job than I will ever do. And I would like to mention two of them in particular. Dan Norai, who's recently passed, had a whole course on sonship, a video course that is published or distributed by Joseph Peck. This was in January 2019 that it was recorded. Many of you know Dan Norai as the publisher of Destiny House Publishing. And I took that course and I just didn't hear what I wanted to hear about sonship. I, I didn't even recognize it as from the same root. But it is from the same, it is on the family tree. So he talked so much about God loves you. God loves you. This is what he was talking about. This was, this was the summary of the course. God loves you. And I never did hear what I was expecting. And I was expecting how to achieve to become a son of God. <laughs> and so I was entirely puzzled. I, 
think maybe I should go back and look at that course now. So if sonship assumes fatherhood and God is love, then that should be the summary of the course. God loves you. <laughs> and we would grow up in that love and we would show forth that love. That would be what a mature son would be, you know, like you know, if a company were called Roberts and Sons, you'd expect all the sons who are in business with their father to carry on the same kind of policies that the father did. Of course, well, God is love and we're saved by by God's grace, then we're going to grow up in that love. We're going to learn more about that love, grow up in that love and, and represent that love. And oh, that sounds biblical. Huh, amazing, <laughs> but completely a surprise. Another person who has discussed this is Johnny Inlow. Johnny, for those of you who are in movement that Sam Five started, Johnny is Jack's son. And he has discussed this. He has a podcast called Restore 7. And so podcast number 88. And then another one more recently in the spring of 2020, number 133, talks about sonship in terms of the love of God. Overall, I think it would be fair to say that his message has to do with God's love shining through every sector of society, how God wishes that happen and how we can participate in that. So it's the seven mountain or seven colors of the rainbow. We live in God's love, and God's love is seen in the family, in the arts, in government, and so forth. This would be the inevitable conclusion of God's work on the planet. That sounds like the millennium. Sounds good to me. Okay, so here are two people who preach sonship as rooted in the love of God. And so I commend their work to you, but I am going to have to tell you as much as I know. <laughs> so certainly this is, this was not in the conversation that I was in when I understood first sonship, but it must be correct. So I am hopeful that as I've been tasked to re-preach it, and I'm learning a lot as I do that, that this will be a great contribution. It certainly has been helpful to me to see that sonship is rooted in fatherhood. And just as children come out of parents' love, so sonship partakes of love and demonstrates love. It's all about the love of God. God loves you. It's all about God loves you. Sonship is all about God loves you. What? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay. And so let us go and inquire and live that out and learn more about that. When we start feeling afraid that we're disconnected from the Father, that we have to earn our place as a son, then we are out of that trajectory. So where is the line? The dividing line is whether we're working to get some sonship by any means or whether we are living out what has already been promised, what has already been given to us. So I am not here in by teaching sonship is, is rooted in fatherhood. Sonship is all about the love of God. I am not preaching greasy grace. Of course we have to live it out. 
And I'm not preaching simply self-esteem because, of course, pride would be contrary to the model pattern sun, yeah? So, and I'm not saying we just can sit on our desks, absolutely not, but I want to say that it's in the same trajectory and we should not twist scripture to say something contrary. And as I've been studying this out, I've discovered that if we simply unpack the Bible well, if we understood exactly what the Bible was saying, the arguments that the writer is making and the words he's using and the context that he's talking in grammatically, the grammatical context, let alone the historical context, then we understand very clearly what the message is. And if we find that we are preaching something contrary and opposite to that, that should really be a point that we stop and reassess. So it is all of grace because God is love. But when we all, when I say all of grace, I don't mean that, okay, all we have to do is mentally assent. Of course, we have to walk it out by faith. All right, so our first scripture for today would be Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. Galatians 3 and 26. So in the King James, for you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 24, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Hallelujah. So this is probably not a surprise to you. You would say, of course, we're born into the family of God by God's love apprehended through our faith. But what may not be obvious to you is in the Greek, this word children is huios. Ha ha. So for we are all the mature sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Well, who else would fit in Paul's argument? He's pushing it to the max degree with the Galatians because they gave up what he taught them and adopted the Judaizers' viewpoint. So they wanted to go back to the law, that Christianity was only for Jews, and still you had to keep the law, even if Jesus was the Messiah. And Paul is clearly teaching against that. That's the whole import of the book of Galatians. So let's just read a little more in Galatians. Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he is clearly teaching here the finished work of Jesus apprehended by faith and lived out. And that's why we're baptized. We're immersed because this is a symbol of being in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I am crucified with Christ. Not I hope to become crucified in order to be like him, but no, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So there's the struggle, Romans 6, the not I. 
and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not I struggle to be obedient enough to earn a place in the family. No. Then let's go over to Galatians 4 and 31. The last verse in chapter 4. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Of course, he used the story of Hagar and Ishmael and said, you know, there are other people in the family, but we are the son of promise. So here is the whole trajectory that we can relax in the love. We cooperate in the love. We choose. We make continual choices. And that's where the struggle is, but not a struggle of being frightened and of hoping for some kind of atrocious death in order that or repeated atrocities so that we can maybe attain to sonship as if the method were somehow completely different for being a mature son as it was for being a technon or paideon or even an apios. Okay, Colossians. Let's go over to Colossians 3. Colossians 3 and 3. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, and idolatry. So this is written by the same hand. No, no question about the authorship of Galatians and Colossians. So we know that we are dead because Jesus died and was rose. We identified with him. We symbolized and memorialized that in baptism. We are dead. We live now in Christ by faith and to do that it's the not I and here is the not I the mortifying our members fornication uncleanness inordinate affection evil concupiscence covetousness which is idolatry and then in the future Christ who is our life shall appear and we will appear with him in glory hallelujah so it is not some sort of well okay Beginning Christianity is get saved by faith. But now we're going to go on to sonship, which is a completely different deal. And we're going to forget all of that. And we're going to do something else. And so you have to jump to it when the eldership says. And you have to get along with whatever is going down, whatever the leadership says. And in that way, you're going to become a son of God. If you completely cut yourself off from the world and you completely go along with this organization like nobody would even say that out loud because that's too crazy that's a completely different deal doesn't matter how many scriptures you decorate it with that's not what the scripture says so there is a proper death to self but this is and we'll talk more about that later but this is it we mortify these members, fornication, uncleanliness, ordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, we're not killing the Christ life. And yes, I've heard sermons that we're going to lay down our Christ life. What? 
Oh, okay. So back up to Colossians 2 and 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you are dead or since you are dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why? As though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not. Now this looks like it's all wise. But since we have been risen with Christ, four, 3, Colossians 3 and 1. Since you have been, have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, and set your affections on things above, and not on things on the earth. So it's not about getting the most reputation. It's not about, although reputation is a good thing. You know, if you're the best farmer on the farm and you can bring in the most money, hallelujah, thank you. If you're the best preacher, hallelujah, thank you. It's a contribution. And if you are the most easy to get along with, hallelujah, that might be a good contribution. Or it might simply be a veneer of your own covetousness. Uh, it's about the heart, and God judges that. You know, maybe you're going after money and and reputation, and and an easy life. But I can't judge that's that's in your heart before God. But the point is, let's don't do a bait and switch. Okay, it. It's not something like, oh, you can be really super spiritual if you move to a farm or if you don't move to a farm. Okay. It's not about how big a story you can spin. Rather, you have been crucified and raised to life and resurrected in Christ Jesus. Colossians, we're still in Colossians. Let's go to the first chapter. Let's start in verse 12 giving thanks unto the Father. Hallelujah. There's not a whole lot of thanksgiving when it's all on your shoulders and you have to strive and you don't know whether or not you're going to get to the goal and the goal is moved so often that you don't even know what the goal post is and there's never been any clear method. That, that, that's not very... You're not moved to thankfulness, tears of thankfulness. But if you understood that Jesus did it all for you, that Jesus had finished work... If you really understood what that meant in your life and that God wished for you total, not just total salvation, but total shalom, that could move you to tears. Verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So therefore, he's qualified us to share in the inheritance. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, past tense, hath delivered, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And what is that son like? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Well, and so we're a creature, all right, so we're going to be 
secondborn, but we're in the firstborn, for by him all things, etc. All things. He has preeminence in all things. Does he have preeminence in our life, in our conversation, in the whole idea of sonship? Or have we somehow substituted, here's another bait and switch, we substituted the organization for the head. So in Jesus, all the fullness dwells. So really it's all about Jesus and that's being in Jesus is the method. And being in Jesus, looking like Jesus is the goal. He's the pattern son. That's where we started and that's where we should be. So he made peace through the blood of the cross by him to reconcile all things to himself. All right, so it's about Jesus. Let's skip down to verse 23. If ye continue in the faith. If ye continue in the faith. Same faith. Grounded and settled. And faith not switched out to works. The same teaching and the same method. Faith. Grounded and settled, and be not moved, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you've heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, wherefore I, Paul, am made a minister. So the whole gospel repeats this. The sonship is somehow, so the whole gospel is this, that sonship is rooted in the fatherhood and in the first son who brought us into the family. And some sonship that is different, that has a different trajectory, a different method, a different goal, that's just a different gospel. But this, what we see in the Bible, is all of a piece. Hallelujah. So funny when people say proof texting. Well, let's use the whole flow of the argument, okay? What is better proof than the whole argument itself? So, we have a great promise, great promise, to, be, to have all the inheritance. And what is the inheritance but the fullness of the Godhead bodily? But it, we have it in Jesus. Otherwise, we are usurping Jesus' portion, but he's the, I don't have to tell you about the crossed hands and the blessing. Okay, so let's go to Philippians. Once again, we know this was written by Paul. And I think it, this is worth uh, a lot here, but let's just go fairly quickly. Philippians 3 and 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Let's go 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, this may seem to be a difficult passage that I may know him. Clearly, there, I, this has been used, in fact, as a bludgeon against people and against their confidence, against their faith, against their salvation even. Now, I am going to admit that it, there is a sense in which I press on. There is a, a kind of striving. But see verse 9. You know, 9 comes before 10. 
and be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith so this doesn't teach something different than we found in Galatians and Colossians but rather the exact same we have the same trajectory we are reconciled already we have a righteousness not our own we have been apprehended and so I'm going to continue in the faith so yes it's not simply justification kind of salvation it is a full salvation so we're going to walk it out so yes I believe in a sonship and an experiential sonship but the point here is that it's by faith resting on the grace which is rooted in the love of the father so let's see we did 12 I have been apprehended so yes we're going to continue in the faith so following on to know yes there is the work of faith but not the work of the law it is walking out of confidence not cravenness and nor pride because it's based in the father's love likewise if we followed Paul he says if we follow Paul then our suffering like his would be for others not to attain ourselves, not to get along in a imperfect organization not to please men or ourselves but to serve others by similar to Jesus and following Paul to reach out the hand to reach out the hand to bring others in to the kingdom to be reconciling force a hand of love that's the family culture and all of scripture says the same thing so Paul had tribulation because he was working for us <laughs> not because he was trying to attain something his attaining was to stay in the faith to stay in that trajectory and not to do something else so once again let's go with the whole flow yes we press on yes we expect a manifestation in our lives yes we want to know him better yes we want to be made conformable but it's all in the same trajectory it is a faith and not a fear because we have already been apprehended so we can rest in God's apprehension as we attempt to apprehend Satan is the hair the scary hound of Baskerville a hound that you don't know where it's coming from but you think it's coming to eat you however Holy Spirit is more like a spaniel it is there to guard the children now it might kind of hurt the children okay that was heard uh, with a D not hurt just in case to stay in the yard <laughs> but it is an expression of the father's love and it is not the scary hound of Baskerville where we wonder if we will be safe hallelujah so attaining to the resurrection is a matter of manifesting it not of getting it because our resurrection is in Jesus 
And that happened in the timeline in past. So it's not about having to worry because we are without, because we are not without. It is a matter of being wary that we do not lose. Okay, so if you had a million dollars in a bank account, you had it, but you have to not lose the key. <laughs> and you have to learn how to unlock it. It's not about wandering around as a poor person. It's also not trying to uh, find a job in a bad job market and try to earn the million dollars because it's already in the bank, right? You inherited it, yes. So, yes, there are demons behind every pillar and post, but Jesus took the keys of hell and death and gave us authority. So it's not about being in our pity pot because Satan has a dampening field on us, but we might have to stand up and say, shut up and sit down. Demon. Ha <laughs> Let's not our eyes be allowed to get off. If our eyes are on Jesus and his finished work and his kingship, then we simply need to agree with that. Let's not forget the prize of the high calling. Not, let's not try to work to be in the family when we're in the family. Okay? So, you can be a technon. You know, a teenage son. You're working in the family. You're expressing your vocation. You're a reconciling ambassador. And you're on your way to doing great exploits. Okay? So, hallelujah. You're on your way. So, let's don't goof up and get hoodwinked and get on some other path. Hallelujah. God works correction courses. Hallelujah. That we might know him experientially and the power of his resurrection. So, as I say, this is worth a lot more unpacking in the Greek. But the whole argument is to stay on the path of faith and not to get off into another gospel of the Judaizers. All right. So what I'm going to say here is all of Scripture is in the same trajectory. And if you read the whole flow of the argument of the writer rather than of one verse, if you read the verse in Greek, it helps. And if you read the whole, the whole flow of the argument in the whole flow of the Bible, then you can get there. But if you've got somebody telling you something that makes you afraid, that takes away your, your confidence and gives you some other method, and then you end up in a tailspin or a blank wall, you probably got off it right there at that scripture. You yourself read the scripture. All of the great revelations of the Bible are in the scripture. Jesus, for instance, Luke 24. Imagine the huge shock. Here you are, you've been walking around with Jesus, and he is killed, and you're bewildered. And even when the gals come back from the tomb and say, look, he's risen, you're still just bewildered. Like, where in the Bible does it clearly say that the Messiah is going to come, die, and be resurrected? 
I I could point to you one chapter about being crucified, but Jews don't see it that way. Where does it where does it even say this <laughs> from one perspective? So we don't know. Let's go over to Emmaus. Let's take a nice walk and we can find some business over there. <laughs> and somebody walks with you and it's a very interesting conversation and starts unpacking scripture to you and shows you from scripture how the Messiah must suffer and die and be resurrected and then you sit down to meal and when he breaks bread oh that's Jesus all of the revelation is in the scripture that doesn't mean it's not a revelation sure it's a revelation but it's in the scripture it's not contrary to scripture don't come up with something that's contrary all revelation is hidden in the Bible in plain sight so just like Galatians says if somebody comes preaching another gospel then forget about it Paul says something a little more crude don't go off track our work is to stay on track our work is to stay on track we have already died with Christ we've already been resurrected but yes I'm not really walking around in a glorified body yet so my work is to stay in faith and I can stay in faith because I know that God loves me if I didn't know that then I would have some anxiety then I would be susceptible to do this do this do this but if I already know that I am loved in a family of love then it's a matter of the family culture is love so then the method or at least the test would be love well faith worketh by love so if I love a friend and I hear something bad I don't believe it I believe that she probably did a good by me because we're good friends and so faith worketh by love so the fact that faith is the method depends on love and I'm going to stay in that and the exploits that I do are going to be to speak the truth to bring other people in to be an exact representation of God Jesus was all love and for us to become huyos, we're going to be like that first son and in fact it's going to be Christ in me and if we're following Paul it's not a matter of being obedient to Paul and it's not a matter of certainly not a matter of being obedient to somebody else what it is is just like Paul did we're going to be willing to give up what we have our great life so that we can be a missionary in some ways and we'll talk more about that when we go go a little more thoroughly through Philippians 3 so we've been saved by faith but we are still being saved by faith hallelujah and faith what in the grace in the love of God so yes it's sonship and we're not going to be separated from the fatherhood of God. We're not going to be separated from the example of Jesus. And it's not different from the life of Paul. It's about love. Love reaching out to save the lost. So maturity looks like the empowerment of love. Hallelujah.
So we are sons of God because there is a Father who is love. And we aspire to becoming grown sons because we are already children. Hallelujah. And God is love and we're ambassadors of God's love now. So we're not going to try to somehow find a different message, find a a way to earn our salvation, or find a way to become sons. No. Sonship assumes fatherhood, which is rooted in the Father's love. And we are born into the family of grace, the family of God by grace. And we will simply unfold that love, that grace, as we stay in faith. And that will mean that we'll mortify whatever is opposite. That's our death to self, is staying in the death of Jesus. Hallelujah! <laughs> well, I didn't say a million times that God loves you, but I'm hoping that this connects that idea of the love of God with sonship. Anyway, it's a great revelation to me. That's what I know and can share. I hope it's a contribution to you. All right, and I love you, and I'm so honored. I really am honored to be able to do this. Thanks to the Lord, and thank you to those of you who listen. Please feel free to speak back. You've got some methods to do that, so please let me hear from you. Bless you. I love you. And may you also feel the love of God, the love of God that invited you into the family when you were first saved or when you were born into a Christian family, the love of God that that protects you and keeps you growing, keeps you teaching, and the love of God that will bring you home and the love of God that will manifest fully in the resurrection and and the life of across the planet one day as the knowledge of the Lord covers like the waters cover the sea. Blessings to you. I love you. Bye-bye. God wants to save you to the uttermost. Jesus is Lord. He is risen. He is the lover of your soul and is the judge of all. Thank you so much. And may the Lord bless you. Please give us a like wherever you are listening to us so that others might find us. And please share directly with those who might be interested. You are invited to write us at sister at jesuspatternson.org. Sister at jesuspatternson.org. And of course, you are welcome to come to our website at jesuspatternson.org. May the Lord bless you.